Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, oh, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked again to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had ended, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Well, about three months ago, we were in Mark chapter 2, uh, where Jesus healed the paralytic. And the question that we considered back then was, what's our greatest need? And of course, our greatest need that we learned from that is forgiveness. We need someone who can save us from our sins. And I suspect that most of us know this really well in our heads, but we still cry out desperately to God in times of need. We still cry out desperately to God for healing. And why wouldn't we? Uh, when we know that Jesus has the power to heal, it's quite right for us to ask him for healing. We, we, we've got no right to demand it, but we can humbly request it. Today's Bible reading is two stories of human despair and helplessness meeting the power of God in Jesus. Now, the first is of a man whose daughter is dying. 
Uh, but we know more about the man than we do about the daughter. This man, his name's Jairus, and he's a very important man. We're told that he's one of the rulers of the synagogue. Uh, so that also means he's very religious. It means he's very well connected into the worshipping community. But none of this can help him. His 12-year-old daughter is dying, and nobody can do anything to save her. And even as the story unfolds, he gets the word, look, don't bother Jesus anymore, it's too late. She's died. And man, oh man, the despair that he must have felt. The despair of a, child, of a parent whose child has just died. And the second story is that of a woman. Uh, and we're not even told her name, but she's probably got some pretty severe gynecological problems. Is that how you say it, Robin? Gynecological? It is. I tongue-twisted over that a number of times when I was trying to say it before. Um, she, she hasn't stopped bleeding for 12 years. Uh, she's broke. She spent every cent that she has on doctors to try and fix the problem that she's had, but they weren't able to help her. Uh, by the religious rules, this woman would have been unclean, right? She w was not allowed to go to the temple. Nobody was allowed to touch her or else that would make them unclean as well. And so for the last 12 years, this woman would have been totally disconnected from the worshipping community. For the last 12 years, she would have been untouchable. Couldn't even have a hug from anyone. She was an outcast. And so 12 years is significant with both of these. For 12 years, the man had delighted in his daughter and now she was dying. For 12 years, this woman had had zero chance of it conceiving herself. And for 12 years, she'd been a religious and social outcast. It doesn't matter what station of life we're from, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, or whether we're highly respected or whether we're a nobody. It doesn't matter whether we're very religious or whether we're not connected to God at all. It doesn't matter what station of life we come from. Any of us can find ourselves in that place of utter helplessness and despair. And most of us would have at some time or other. And when we're in that place and we reach out to Jesus, that's when the power of God kicks in. Both these stories are stories of Jesus meeting people in that place when they are in their deepest despair. And Jesus miraculously intervened into their lives. The woman is healed and Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. And as we read these scriptures, it's important for us to not just see them as stories, not just telling us about things that happened, but to also be asking a question, well, God, what do you want me to learn from this? I reckon the first thing we need to learn from this is in Jesus Christ, there is help for the helpless and there is hope for those who despair. And when you and I find ourselves in that place where fears and anxieties overwhelm, that's a really good time to turn to Jesus. When there are no answers, when there is no cure, when no one else can help, that's a very good time to turn to Jesus. Now, some people have the attitude, oh, those Christians, they're so weak. Well, yeah, we are. We are weak. And that's why we come to the one who has strength, so that his strength can be ours.
The ministry of Jesus Christ has always appealed to those who despair. And sadly, way too often, it's only when we humans get to our wit's end that we put away our own foolish pride and we actually begin to do what we should have been doing right from the beginning and give ourselves over to Jesus. Isn't it sad that way too often there's got to be some kind of tragedy, some kind of terrible incident in somebody's life and everything has to go to party before they'll turn to Jesus. Secondly, it takes faith. The woman who had hemorrhaged for 12 years, well, she shouldn't have even been in that jostling crowd for a start. Every person that she would have come in contact with she would have been making ceremonially unclean. You see, the religious rule said, you cannot touch somebody because that's going to make them unclean. The religious rules was telling that woman, you can't, tell Je you can't touch Jesus. Your impurity will rub off on him. But she believed that Jesus was bigger than that. And she believed that if she could just touch Jesus, then he would do something miraculous for her that Jesus could heal her. And she did touch Jesus. And she was healed. And Jesus confirmed it. He, he felt the healing power go out from himself. And when she owned up to what she'd done, he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And what about Jairus? When Jairus got the word, it's too late. Don't bother Jesus now, it's too late. Your daughter's died. What did Jesus say to him? I'm sorry about Jairus. Sorry about that. No, Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. Right? Don't be afraid, have faith. Faith is what holds us to Jesus in the midst of our deepest despair. But what sort of faith are we talking about? I want to be really clear about something. The Gospel of Mark is not about us discovering ourselves. The Gospel of Mark is not about us discovering healing. It's about discovering a person and who that person is. It's about discovering Jesus and that he is the Son of God. Now, some people get themselves all focused on this healing thing. But the purpose of the Gospel of Mark and the purpose of these stories that we read today is to get us to focus not on the healing, but on Jesus. This isn't about having faith for healing. This is about having faith in Jesus. Mark is revealing who Jesus is. He's already shown us that Jesus is the one who has power over the wind and the waves. He's the one who has power over demons. He's the one who has power to heal sickness and disease. And he has power to raise the dead. This isn't about faith healing. This is about faith in the healer. It's about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is, the Son of God. A definition that I like to use for faith is to believe in Jesus and to believe that what Jesus has promised 
will happen. Let me tell you what faith is not. Faith is not me deciding what I want to happen and then believing it into existence. And that is one of the greatest confusions that we come across in the church of today. The place of faith when it comes to healing. Some people continually reject Jesus until they're so desperate for something, they're so desperate for a healing of some kind, whether it be a physical healing or an emotional healing or, or psychological healing or whether it's a healing of their marriage or whether it's financial healing. It's only when they're so desperate for some kind of healing that they actually come to Jesus because they've lost hope in everything else and now they think they, they get this hope, well, maybe Jesus can give me what I so desperately need. Now, sometimes, sometimes in the mercy of God, God grants them that request and he brings to them the healing that, that they've asked for. And when they get it, what happens then? Oh, a few people are very thankful, but quite often the person, right, well, my needs are being met now, and they're not so interested in Jesus anymore. And so, for example, the farmer turns to Jesus to pray for rain, and then when the drought is broken, it's not that he thinks any less of Jesus, he tells himself, because he doesn't tell himself anything. He just doesn't think about God and Jesus anymore. And sometimes faith is short-lived because it didn't provide the desired outcome. You might hear somebody say, well, we tried Jesus. We had faith and we prayed that, that God would save my wife from cancer. But he didn't. And so a misplaced faith with unrealised expectations shrivels and dies. Faith is believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you now, the greatest faith is a faith that always trusts in Jesus even when the healing doesn't come. And let's, let's not pretend here. I'm not in... I, I really hate it when people pretend about their faith and when people pretend about what Christianity is and is not. Let's not pretend here. Let's be honest and say that sometimes healing doesn't come. Sometimes it doesn't. And because Jesus is Lord, that's okay. We know that Jesus has got this. Whether Jesus feels it's right to heal the person or whether he, whether he doesn't heal the person. Jesus has got this. And we can always trust in him because he sees the big picture and he is all-powerful and he is all-loving. He's got this. And when Jesus heals, it's entirely up to him. Now, this is a very hard, hard message for a pastor to give. There are so many voices today that will tell you, all you have to do is believe and you're healed. 
Right? All you have to do is believe that you are healed and you will be healed. And, and if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. When someone's dying and their loved ones are desperately praying for a miracle but God doesn't seem to be answering their prayer, my, how hard it is to shake somebody out of that kind of name-it-and-claim-it theology and to get them to understand what real faith really is. Not faith in the healing itself, but faith in Jesus. And a big faith will trust in Jesus no matter what happens. Not long after we planted our little church out at Westmar, John and Teresa Bear became Christians. And when Teresa, a mother who had never smoked in her entire life, got lung cancer, in obedience to the scriptures, we anointed her with oil and we prayed for her healing. And on that day, her husband John said, and Teresa agreed, we believe that God has healed Teresa. And if it's not an earthly physical healing, it's a spiritual healing at the resurrection. And that statement of faith, man, it brought tears to my eyes. Because I rarely see such a strong, deep faith. And this couple, they're pretty new Christians. They hadn't been Christians for long. And they had this faith that was so strong that if Jesus didn't heal her, that was okay with them because they were looking forward to the resurrection when they would be together, but the highlight would be that they'd be with Jesus. Now, of course, they wanted healing and we prayed for healing and, and asked God to heal Teresa for years. But their faith was strong and their faith wasn't shaken right through to the end. Teresa held strong to the faith until she died. And John's still going strong in the faith now. And I share this testimony because the fourth lesson for us today is the value of testimony. The bleeding woman snuck up on Jesus and touched his coat. She didn't want to be seen. She didn't want to be noticed. She was very secretive about it all. But Jesus didn't want her faith to remain a secret. Who touched my clothes? What are you talking about, Jesus? There's people everywhere. They're bumping into you and jostling you all over the place. But he wanted to know, no, who touched me? And the woman, well, she knew what had happened. She knew what she'd done. And in fear and trembling, she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You know, a lot of Christians like to keep their faith as something private. And that's the way the world would like it, by the way. They're happy for you to have your faith as long as you keep it private. And a lot of Christians are like that. They're a believer, but they're not a sharer of their belief. Do you know what the real problem is? Fear. The woman came in fear and trembling. Now, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus doesn't want us to be secret agent Christians. He wants us to let our light shine. Do you realise, I wonder, how beneficial it is for others when we give God glory and when we testify about what God has done for us? 
When God answers one person's prayer, that should increase the faith of the rest of us and encourage the rest of us to be praying. The testimony of that woman being healed, can you imagine what that would have done right there, right at that time, to bolster the faith of Jairus? Here's Jairus, he's come to ask Jesus, look, my daughter's about to die, can you come and heal her? On the way there, this miracle happens. This woman is healed. Jairus wouldn't know about it unless the woman had told about it. And now he gets the word, your daughter's dead. And here's Jesus saying, don't fear, Jairus. Just believe. Imagine how that woman's testimony at that point would have helped that man to believe. It's really important that we do share what Jesus has done so that that can increase the faith of others. And finally... In Christ, the merciful touched the unclean. Jesus touched the leper. He was touched by the hemorrhaging woman. He took the dead girl by the hand. He travelled to the Gentiles. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and the religious rules said, all of these things make you unclean. But here's the thing. The profane doesn't make Jesus dirty. Jesus makes the impure holy. Darkness doesn't dull the light. The light lights up the darkness. You know, it's so easy for us, the redeemed, to cloister ourselves away and for us to cut ourselves off from the world. But that's not the Jesus way. Somebody said to me the other day, how come our church attracts so many people with so many problems? And my reply was, you're asking me how come we minister to the broken? I guess that's just the way of Jesus, isn't it? If you're looking for a perfect church filled with perfect people, you need to know that church doesn't exist. You might be able to find a church or two about where most of the members seem to have all of their lives together and in order and they seem to be going along sweet. But that won't be the perfect church. Because any church that's following the call of Christ will attract to it some of the most broken, desperate people that you'll ever come across. People who are in desperate need of a saviour and in need of cleansing and healing. And my prayer today is that we will be disciples of Jesus who aren't afraid to meet these people, that we will be disciples of Jesus who aren't afraid to, to have in our midst and with us people who are in a state of utter helplessness and in deep despair. And as we meet these people, we do this because we can help them to meet with Jesus. And I pray that as we encounter times of deep despair, that we would always encourage each other on 
to just keep going on in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that you are the Lord who came to the broken. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who came to us. We were the broken. We were the helpless. You are the one who showed us mercy. Lord, we have received mercy. Now help us to be those who give mercy. Help us to be those who go to the broken and the lost, to be with those who are filled with deep despair. And Lord, give us um, courage to share our testimony. To share the Lord Jesus Christ with those who are broken and, so, and who desperately need Jesus. Lord, we know that no matter how much we share, it's not going to help unless your Holy Spirit is at work in people's hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to recognise where you are at work in a person. And help us to share the good news of Jesus with those. In Jesus' name, amen.